Good morning podcast and welcome to a new episode on the Pierre Tillemet show. I hope you're having an amazing day and that you're ready for another incredible episode because my guest today is Lexi Alford, also known as Lexi Limitless. She's the youngest person in the world to have traveled to 196 countries, all of them under the age of 21. How crazy is that? So in this episode, she will share with us not only her travel experiences and lessons learned, but also advice and tips on how she would actually start again creatively that exercise. We'll dig into what she's doing now, how she continues to travel, but with a different approach, meaning more focused on creation, content creation, photography, video, how it integrates into our life, how she actually gets the best shots of people when she travels, and last but not least, how to really progress when you're trying to hone a new skill that you know nothing about. Now, with that being said, guys, if you find anything valuable in the podcast, as usual, just share it with your friends, share it in your Instagram stories. And with no further ado, let's welcome Lexi to the podcast. Let's go. Welcome to the podcast, Lexi. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. It's it's a pleasure to, to have you on the podcast, especially because, as I mentioned in the introduction, I mean, before we started chatting, um, I actually discovered you and your work and your account when you were like barely at 3,000 followers on Instagram. And not saying followers matter, but it just marks, I think, a time where maybe things have shifted for you. So yeah, that's <laughs> so, so excited to have you. so crazy that you happen to define my profile at that point, because when I started pursuing uh, this record and traveling to every country, uh, no one really paid attention to it um, and no media outlets would write articles about it or anything uh, until I actually finished it. And um, I, when I stepped into my last country, which was North Korea in, I think it was March or May 2019, I uh, I cold emailed a writer from Forbes and had no expectation that she was actually going to uh, to see my email and she she read it and actually shared my profile with her six year old daughter and she oh, so wrote cool. me back only like an hour later said that she loved the story and that she was going to write a whole piece about it and publish it the next day which I thought was awesome. I was not expecting that at all. <laughs> and it just got picked up by the Associated Press and was translated into every language. I had like every major news network reaching out to me from like CNN and BBC and all of these crazy uh, people wanting to write articles about the story. And I hadn't actually officially broke the record because I still needed to uh, submit my official Guinness World Record application, which ended up mm -hmm. taking me six months after that wow. point. But uh, that didn't stop people from writing the articles. There's like 50 pages on Google now of wow. articles from it. So, and over that time, I, I, I think I had maybe 10k or something on Instagram. I didn't have a YouTube at that time and I gained over 250,000 followers in five or six days. It was wild. It felt like my phone was just going to burst into flames. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's so funny because I imagine, especially when I saw the trip, 
and all the countries you did, I couldn't imagine um, like doing it as not like a full influencer, but like, you know, like when you get to a certain cloud, I would say like travel could change, could change depending on how you do it. And, but when I discovered your profile, I was like, oh, so cool. Like she traveled every, I, and I cannot remember where it was. Must be something because I, I used to be travel vlogging and stuff. So it must be something in that community that popped up. And then I was like, yeah, oh, nice, that's sure. crazy. <laughs> what yeah. could have been that? Or like I a travel blog that talked about you. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was super early. And I was like, wow, awesome. I'm so curious to see how that's going to work out because I was like, I'm pretty sure that account is going to blow up soon. <laughs> and then, <laughs> you then were that right. happened. <laughs> I, uh, I definitely wasn't really expecting it. I guess I didn't really know what to uh, expect because just the, the lack of overall interest when I was getting, mm -hmm. I only had like 10 countries left and still no one wanted to write about it. So I was like, oh, maybe this is just an experience like just for me after all. And I won't be like sharing it. I don't, I'll just go back to working at my family's travel agency or something yeah. <laughs> once I'm done. Uh, pretty much I'll, I would just do anything to continue, uh, to continue traveling. What would be a fun conversation though, if you had a travel agency and someone came, have you been to that country? Yes. And then he asked you like 20 other countries and you're like, always yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm a, a very overqualified travel agent at this point. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, okay, Lexi, let, let's move, uh, move from the, the, the cloud. I, I kind of want to dig into, do you, What what if what is the one weird habit you kind of picked up while you were traveling that you would do in every country? I'm I'm kind of curious. Yeah, um habits. I personally like to like go and explore different natural landscapes. So mm -hmm. my mission when I would get to any new place is to try to get as far away from the capital city uh, mm -hmm. as I could during the uh, amount of time that I had in that particular place because I feel that a lot of capital cities are they're really fun places to go but they have a lot of similarities as far as like yeah. the metropolitan culture and everything so I find I find that when you get out into different rural areas, that's where you can really connect with a new culture and see what it's actually like to, to live in that country. So and that's my favorite thing to, to photograph and to film is those really genuine uh, travel experiences. Were you, were you already documenting everything in terms of videos and photos? And if yes, what were you traveling with? It just, yeah, I can't imagine being with the gear I have now in all yeah. the countries. <laughs> I, this is one of the things that I regret the most out of all of the thing, <laughs> everything that I did in every country was that I didn't start vlogging until I had maybe 10 countries left or something. Um, oh. I mainly was just shooting photos and wasn't <laughs> really taking that too seriously. I had a Fujifilm X-T10 
for the majority mm-hmm. of it. And then I upgraded to the X-T2 uh, for the last two years of it. And then uh, recently switched to Sony, which is amazing for uh, for the videos now. And yeah. it makes me really upset that I didn't have that <laughs> <laughs> the whole time. Okay, round two. <laughs> um, yeah, so I try to uh, console myself over the, the lost opportunities there mm-hmm. by... Uh, telling myself that I have a really amazing list of places that I want to go back to and capture uh, more, <laughs> uh, capture more of now. That, that's, that's crazy to think it's, um, in a way you were like in a, in a very, I wouldn't say pure form of traveling, but I guess, um, and maybe how do you feel about it? Actually, let's, let's, let's have you answer. How do you feel about the difference between when you have good gear or you're trying to do video and photo versus just being traveler? Uh, do you see a difference and, and do you think one is like better than the other? Um, well, I don't think that one is better than the other. Um, one of the things that I love the most about being a uh, photographer when you're traveling is that If you go to any significant point of interest, chances are that you're going to spend 10 times the amount of time in each location just trying mm-hmm. to get that like amazing shot. You'll you'll see hordes of tourists go by that just come they traveled all the way to see you know, the Eiffel Tower or this particular waterfall and they'll see that they'll, they'll be there, they'll take a photo, they'll look at it and then they'll leave. But <laughs> when you're creating content, you'll stay at one location for hours or come back multiple days uh, to get different conditions. So I feel that it's just a, a different kind of experience, I guess. Um, Sometimes I've found, since I'm, I've been starting to take uh, videos uh, more and more and travel, travel vlogging, um, it can change the dynamic when you're interacting with locals uh, to have like this big lens in their face. It's amazing when they don't mind <laughs> yeah. being, uh, being filmed because that's like uh, capturing different people is, is my favorite thing. Um, But there is something I do miss about not traveling to make videos or to make content, just being there. But um, there's only so much, there's only so long you can travel in that way before mm-hmm. you need to go back to work. So that, that's, um, <laughs> that, that's a I very good point. <laughs> much rather sacrifice uh, getting to travel completely uh, free from like the pressure of trying to capture something well in exchange for getting to travel uh, as a career. Nice. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I can, I, I do share your feeling because I traveled a lot before also taking better photos and doing videos and all that. And there are a lot of places where I'm like, oh, how did I take such bad photos of that? <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's like such a shame. And you're like, and then you see those, some of those, maybe it happened to you where you see places that blow up on Instagram later and you've already been already been there like a long time ago and you're like, oh, I have a crappy photo of that place too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely happened a lot. <laughs> That's What is the, if I could teleport you anywhere right now, where would you go back to shoot? Oh, that's a good question. Um... Maybe uh, Bagan in Myanmar. 
I mm. wasn't very satisfied <laughs> with uh, with how I captured that place in comparison to how unbelievable it looked. Um, Bagan, I think, has the largest concentration of pagodas in the world, mm-hmm. and it has that uh, in the early mornings that mist that rolls in over all of these um, temples and shrines. So the like the quality of the light is. Just unbelievable, and it's one thing that I was just not qualified to be <laughs> capturing <Really? laughs> at all. Yeah, that's awesome. I, be, I we almost went there during a world tour with my wife, and we didn't because it was the wrong season for the good light in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not. <laughs> I'll go later. I'll come back uh, for that later then. <laughs> yeah, right. I haven't been yet. But uh, how do you mm-hmm. deal with the? How do you deal with? Was like since you love traveling and now I imagine you're a little bit locked down also at home. Completely uh, locked how do, down. <laughs> how does it work creatively for you? Um, I'm I'm still adjusting. I think that I'm in a particularly lucky uh, situation as far as my content goes because I stockpiled so much mm-hmm. footage and photos, even if they're not like amazing quality there's still like a lot of really interesting stories that I haven't told yet from traveling to every country because I was so busy traveling I was just kind of snapping and shooting and storing it on hard drives so now I have a good couple of terabytes of footage backed up that I've I've never uh, edited and and released so I'm fortunately going to be able to continue putting out new content for at least the next six months or something without needing to travel again uh that's cool which is nice but uh it's definitely a really weird feeling uh not being able to to travel right now but i'll i'll take it as a, a good time to to rest i haven't really been home for this long in maybe four years something like that so it's i'm not i'm not complaining it could be worse (laughs) no it could definitely be worse um and uh, but it doesn't mean that we still cope with it easily you know it's kind of funny because um i i don't have much content uh to run through so and i don't care because i can shoot indoors but it it it's the one time in your life where you're like, oh, you want to do everything in your life. It doesn't matter. You can't go anywhere. But no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So just going to have to make the most out of uh, the tools that are that are here now. Yeah. Did you have a morning routine or like a routine in, during your travels either to, to stay in, I don't know, like and that you kept maybe throughout uh, like everything now? Either it's like working out or meditation or did you have something like that? Uh, I tried. <laughs> yeah. Ideally, um, just getting like a, a quick 15 minutes, like stretching, doing yoga in the morning, uh, journaling and meditating for 15 minutes is my goal every day. <laughs> but uh, that didn't happen as consistently as I wanted it to when I was traveling because uh you know, jet lag and always, I'm kind of someone who's always like 10, 15 minutes late. So okay. uh, I really struggled uh, having any kind of consistency in my life while mm-hmm. I was traveling because it felt like I was just 
running to the from one place to the next to the next and uh my my mind and my body definitely uh got a little bit um exhausted from that after a couple of years yeah it's it's surprisingly difficult huh like the it's yeah. like oh every morning's the same no it's not <laughs> somehow it changes when you yeah. travel Yeah, when you're traveling, because it's like different times for flights, you get to sleep at weird hours, you're sleeping on buses and planes, and uh, it's just, it never feels like a very convenient time to do things that are that are good for you, so, and it's always easy to just put them off, so it's taken a lot of um, discipline to to try to integrate that routine back into my daily life. That's awesome. That's yeah, it's uh I guess it's not about being consistent every day and doing it every day. It's about trying to get back to it <laughs> as much as possible. Yes, exactly. That's awesome. How how did you Okay, let's 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 think about um a, a creative let's say outlet for you lately which would be what would you say would it be more photos or more videos um and and how do you approach it? I have definitely been focusing more on video for the past. I I think I launched my YouTube channel four months ago. So mm -hmm. I've been really focusing on my goal for 2020 was to learn how to tell uh, an interesting story. So mm. I've been really focusing on like the narrative of storytelling and like really fine-tuning like beginning middle and trying to learn how to edit these things and um and uh like add music and transitions and uh everything like that so that's been captivating uh pretty much maybe like 75% of my attention photo has totally gone from being my my main thing to secondary uh because i, I feel that uh video has been Uh, a lot more I don't know there's something a lot more captivating about mm -hmm. about it I think that you can really say a lot more through through video than you can with photos at least in my experience yeah no you I, I think you're right it's like uh, uh, what do they say a picture is worth a thousand words now at 24 pictures per second and then you have a movie <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> that's a lot of words <laughs> yeah and it's it's been something that intimidated me for years from just kind of barely starting to understand uh, my camera enough to take photos and uh then The video has always been this like really big endeavor like it's like climbing a mountain and just like looking at the top and not really knowing how to get there <laughs> and just kind of saying oh I'll do it I'll do it next year or something so now I'm finally sitting down and doing the 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 learning aspect of editing mm. that's not very fun but it's really rewarding <laughs> after after a long long time <laughs> Is there is there like a, a tool or a particular mm, thing or person that really helped you through that process? Um, I think it was when I started traveling with other like other people who had YouTube channels, and mm -hmm. um, because for the most part I was kind of uh, kind of alone. 
uh, wolf <laughs> for yeah. most of the time. I did a lot of solo travel, but when I started meeting people who also were traveling with cameras and filming things for themselves, um, that was the best teacher for me was just finding other people. I'm, I'm like a very hands-on learner. I kind of need to see mm -hmm. someone else do something for me to really understand how to do it for myself. So traveling with other creators uh, really jump-started um, just kind of figuring out how to, uh, how to capture different experiences and, uh, and everything like that. And always, it's so nice to have uh, a person. Uh, my boyfriend is a YouTuber, so whenever I like run nice. into some weird technical issue and um it's so nice to have someone to be able to ask like what do I do about this um rather than having to figure it all out on on your own not that you're unable to find that out on your own but uh it was really helpful for me to have other creative people around it's more like so more learning by doing uh, yeah, with exactly. like good examples around you that's that's a very good um way to learn I feel Mm -hmm, um, definitely it's my favorite you, yeah that's that's awesome when, when were you um when did you start like really documenting where you would feel like you're happy with the documentation you did versus versus not did it start after you achieved the the challenge or that's a good question I I had a, a couple of instances where I would write a blog or have like a photo series that I felt really well, like, like it captured what I experienced mm -hmm. in that place. And that was like my first taste of uh, what it was like to have a piece of content that, um, that I was really proud to share with the world. And I think I didn't really start to to feel that until I started my channel and I was actually making something uh, tangible and sh and putting mm -hmm. it online like a, like a collection of, of videos from different places and uh, I think that's that's when I started to feel like I was actually <laughs> like creating something that um, I, that was worth sharing. Interesting. Was there, um, uh, I keep digging into questions because it's so interesting. Uh, <laughs> was there a moment that you wish, like a specific moment that you're like, if I could ba go back to one time and like video it or like kept or like really document it better, I would go back to that specific time. Is there one like that for you or maybe two, three? I wish that I would have documented the beginning of really coming up with the idea of traveling to every country and even just like setting up a camera and just talking to it about what my current situation was, how far along I was and just tracking my progress. Uh, that would be worth its weight in gold <laughs> right now because, uh, you, you just, even if it's not, it almost adds to it if it's not very high quality because mm -hmm. everything that I have from like the very beginning before I was even like having this big goal in mind, uh, all of that footage, even though it's shaky and kind of blurry and it just adds to 
like the the realness of the story. So I wish I would have kind of not let being a perfectionist and only wanting to capture really beautiful things mm. uh, get in the way of just turning on a camera. Like it's it's so easy just to press record. <laughs> Uh, but I always had so much hesitation towards it because I thought that I was never going to want to use it because it wasn't very good. Oh, and a huge thing would was putting myself in front of the camera because a shaky video of, you know, a hike or something <laughs> or this, like, cool national park and this random country uh, like a shaky video of like the nature doesn't you'll never use that but you'll always use like the shaky videos of yourself so putting myself into frame uh, more often is what I really wish that I would have done uh, years ago <laughs> that's that's such a I think it's such a good I'll take it as a tip for anyone listening and I think it's such a good tip um, I'll share my like two cents on that. When I when I, I traveled for the first time to Indonesia, like day two, our boat sunk, literally going crossing from Bali to Gili, and the boat sunk in the middle. <laughs> and, and I wish so badly that I had documented that w like for real. You know, I I have a few photos here and here, but just like you're saying, it looks like th there's nothing behind it. I barely talk about it. I had a little journal I wrote into in it, which is good. I got the details, but. I, I would give so much for a GoPro footage of, <laughs> of me on that boat sinking. <laughs> mm -hmm, with you, like, talking to the camera, explaining how crazy it is, like, what you're experiencing. Like, that stuff is so amazing to have in, like, years later. So that's... Uh, what, what, that was what would you tell... What would, sorry, I think you're, you're going on to something, but... What would you tell your younger self to do to do it? Because obviously you, you just showed that you had like mental blockages. What would you tell your younger self? Because I, everyone has the same blockage. We think we're stupid on camera. We think it's useless and we'll never use it. Mm -hmm. What would you say? Capture everything, like everything down to like even things that you really don't think will matter at all. Because even if you don't use it, you're just build, like, they're like building blocks that you're practicing and you're getting better on and you're learning how to manage a lot of data and like that kind of like background stuff that you're, you're learning just by having a lot of content. Um, that would, that would definitely be my, my, uh, advice to myself what, what, is just what if, what create if my, a lot. <laughs> what if I was your younger self and I just told you, oh, I don't like to be on camera. I just, I just don't sound good. What do you say to that? Uh, it's always hard to to argue with people who don't who don't want to be on camera, but <laughs> I would just say that like you're never going to be younger than you are right now. Like this is going to be something this is a time in your life that you don't know it right now, but is like incredibly significant. And uh, you're going to really want this later. So just suck it up and just start doing it because that's the only way you're ever going to be able to tell a good story is if you're the one telling it. That's good.
I like that. I like that. I think I would listen to you if you said suck it up. <laughs> just suck it up and get on camera. <laughs> You'll get over it eventually. It's going to be also it's just going to be really bad in the beginning. I look back on things that I was recording. I think I started talking to my camera maybe two years ago. <laughs> and the first videos I took were so cringy. They're so bad. But you'll just improve. The more and more you get comfortable, you're going to get better at it. So just know that it's going to be really bad in the beginning. Just don't even watch it again. Just keep doing it <laughs> until you get comfortable. Just store it for the future. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's actually really good. There should be something like that where it's like you, you store it and you get, I think there was an app where you could store stuff or record and only see them a year later or two or three. <laughs> And I think it would remove a lot of pain from people from yeah, doing it. Yeah, it's like it. a time capsule. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, look at your memories from five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who, who is there, like, uh, during our travel, for me, I, I feel like people are very important in a way. Although I did travel alone and I did travel with people, but, like, people we meet kind of have somehow, they, they impact a lot your travel. Was there like a few people that really changed the way you traveled or, or that the biggest impact? Um, yeah, there were definitely a lot of people who uh, influenced like the way that I travel. My family is the reason why I started traveling in the first place. Mm -hmm. my, my mom started a travel agency when she was 19. So I grew up traveling uh, with my family. They'd pull me out of school for... Uh, a few months of the year and put me on independent study and just bring bring me with them oh, nice. which is how I got uh, to tra like travel to so many countries at such a young age and um, like traveling with them uh, definitely taught me taught me a lot of like you know when you're young and you're with your parents sometimes you don't want to spend <laughs> like weeks on end with no one else but them <laughs> like sleeping in yeah. the same room and everything um, But I also think that, like I said before, uh, traveling with other creators who had the same interests as me uh, was some of the most um, like impactful relationships that I had because there's something about when you are wanting to be in a creative like mindset and a creative state and you have someone mm -hmm. who's also on that same level as you to kind of bounce ideas off of and like like be each other's subjects and everything like that so I think that that my travel companions have been uh been my favorite one of my favorite parts of traveling that's awesome I remember what what you're mentioning is that having someone to help you get the photo of you also As yeah, ex exactly. Because as fun as it is to run around with the tripod and the self-timer and everything like that, it's always just everything turns out so much better when you have someone else to, to shoot with, at least for me it does. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you probably the most asked question uh, ever. Did you run into, into troubles or did you ever fear for your safety? Because you did 196 country, which involves a lot of Imagine countries that are not super friendly to the outside world's eyes. I won't say they're not friendly inside, but from seen from an outsider's mm -hmm. perspective, it sounds scary. Yeah, um, I 
never found myself in like real danger, uh, at least any kind of dangerous situations that couldn't have happened anywhere in the world, if that mm. makes sense. Um, I, I recently made a video about this. Um, my scariest travel story was actually from Yemen, um, which is a crazy, crazy country to travel to. I was there as a photographer for a Norwegian author who was writing a book about the least visited countries in the world. So we were there for four days um, on the mainland in Yemen. And that I was, I think I was 19 <laughs> when I was there wow. and just completely uh, not prepared for, or not quite, like just not qualified to be in that place at all. Uh, it's like very serious, like extreme travel conditions. Um, what, what about it was, uh, can you give us a like just for a picture? Uh, what, uh, what about it is makes you unqualified and makes it extreme? Yeah, it was just a very war-torn country. So pretty mm. much every building that was in this, uh, Aden, the city that we were in, uh, had been destroyed by airstrikes. So just rubble everywhere. Everyone was walking around with AK-47s. Uh, like the women, there were women in the streets with um, the burkas that cover your, your full face and like gloves. And it was just like, immediately in this like wow. completely different environment than anything else that I had experienced uh, before. And the one of the scariest place one of the scariest parts of it was that uh, it, when you're traveling in country or s cities or countries like this uh, that the situation could change at any time and there's mm -hmm. no U.S. embassy there. There's nobody to come and get you if some kind of issue does happen. So you're really just there at your own risk. And uh, mm -hmm. on the last night that we were uh, staying in the country, I woke up to the sound of fully automatic weapons being discharged outside of my hotel And I just woke up and ran over to the window and I looked down and I could see maybe 50 men just congregating in the parking lot, pushing each other around and yelling. I couldn't see the security guards. We were the only people staying in the only yeah. hotel <laughs> in the city. And um, like there were cars blocking the exit with their hazard lights on. It was just the absolute worst nightmare to wake up to and to overthink especially if you're someone who has as much anxiety as I do so I could hear people's voices outside of our door and uh, I knew that we were the only people there so I was like realistically looking around the room for like a place to hide Um, and I went and woke up the Norwegian guy that I was traveling with and he like jumped out of bed in his like, like, uh, European boxers and like ran over to the window and he's like, you know, maybe they're just having a good time. <laughs> and it's <laughs> like, no way. Like that looks so scary <laughs> from here. Yeah. And 
eventually we just waited it out and everyone went home. I cried myself to sleep. <laughs> I woke up the next morning and asked the, the contact we had in the country uh, what had been going on the night before. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, oh, that was just a wedding party. What? <laughs> so in <laughs> Yemen, they don't uh, have alcohol or anything like that. So one of the ways that they celebrate is by discharging their guns. And they wow, happened to okay. be having a wedding party at our hotel that night. And there were only only men outside. So it's just a. it was for that being my scariest uh, experience that I had. Yeah. It's such a perfect example of something being like misinterpreted culturally Mm -hmm. for me so uh but I took a lot of different precautions of doing a a lot of research and uh you know not going out at night not getting intoxicated uh while I was traveling by myself and uh some of those uh really simple rules kept me safe in every country what do you mean by intoxicated like uh, not drinking or doing drugs oh. when I'm traveling by myself. That's a that's a oh, big one. I think it. that uh, most uh, travelers, in mm-hmm. um, like especially solo travelers, have uh, run into issues or people who are going to take advantage of them or rob them yeah. uh, when they're kind of not in control of themselves on like their environment and they're out at night. So if you avoid those two, uh, those two things, I've found that you'll, uh, you'll be pretty safe the whole time. That's such a great tip because it's, yeah, those it are just the most, sounds... those are the two golden rules of solo travel. It's no wow. drinking and no going out at night. That is, yeah, that's literally, yeah, that, that makes so much sense now. <laughs> I think and it, about and it. it works out too, because if you're, if you can't go out at night, it's kind of boring. So you can go to sleep really early and then wake up like as soon as the sun rises and go out and shoot and make the most out of every day that you have like the daytime uh yeah so you can really experience that that part of the country a lot more uh and just go to sleep early (laughs) that's so good um yeah i highly recommend anyone stop drinking (laughs) you never know when you'll end up (laughs) exactly (laughs) um what So while you were in in Africa, have you been so well, yeah, you've been everywhere. Uh, (laughs) That's such a funny question. Sudan, have you done the pyramids in Sudan? Uh, No, I actually didn't make it all the way out to the pyramids. That's a perfect example of uh, I only feel like I like scratched the surface of Mm -hmm. a lot of these different countries and there's so much I want to go back and see. Uh, In Sudan, I I only saw like the Nile and Khartoum, uh, Mm -hmm. but it's a huge, huge country that has so much to offer. And Africa is just, (laughs) it's huge. People don't realize how many countries, there's 50, I think it's 54 countries in Africa. Uh, So... There's there's an incredible amount of stuff to see there. Have you have you gone there? So I used to work in uh, as an engineer in uh, for a company that was mainly dealing with oil and gas companies. We were like installing cables and pipelines offshore. So uh, most of the clients were oil and gas. So I ended up being in Nigeria. That was like my first job after after college, and uh, I just wanted to travel. Was it Nigeria? Like, oh, 
yeah, they're like, oh, we <laughs> send you to Nigeria. <laughs> I'm like, cool. And then I Google, Google search Nigeria and I see like photos of guys in this, in like, they look like they were like in slums with uh, hyenas. How do you say that? Hyenas? Oh, hyenas. hyenas. <laughs> yeah, on chains. And I was like, where am I going? <laughs> and um, wow. so that was my first like real, um, I would say Central African country. And that was huge shock for me because this the most African country I had done was Morocco and that's just North Africa which is totally different and <laughs> I still had a very um like how do you call that like genuine vision of the world <laughs> at that age where I was mm -hmm. like oh you know like people are are I'm not saying people are not nice but like everything's good but then when I ended up there I saw like the clash of like two worlds. There was the expats clashing with the locals, and then there was the ultra rich Nigerians clashing with also the rest of the population. And I was, I, I could see every side, which is very mm -hmm. rare for anyone. And and then I would see also the all the expats who were like blandly, um, like hooking up with like girls there and like pretending they were in love with their wives. And I knew they had. Anyway, it was a real eye-opening experience on yeah, the real world for me. Yeah, sounds crazy. I think uh, Central Africa and Western Africa and my uh, experience was by far the most complicated area of the world to travel. Uh, there's nowhere else uh, that compares to how, uh, how many different kinds of challenges you can face uh, in that area yeah. of the world. What, where did you go in, in Nigeria? Uh, to Lagos. I nice. was hosted by a family there. That was, uh, it was such a cool experience to be able to like stay with them and like eat, eat with them and experience the culture through, uh, through their eyes. That's so cool. Yeah. Lagos is a good place. I ended up spending a year there. Yeah. Um, wow. A whole year. Yeah. That's Did why you... I met my, my wife. Oh, wow. Amazing. She was working there, lost from, I mean, she's from Chicago, but got lost somehow in Nigeria working. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's how wow. we met. That's awesome. Did you guys get to explore much of the country while you were there? I couldn't go anywhere. So Lexi, mm -hmm. you, you were like, had full freedom of going to every country in the world. When I would go there as a company, uh, they, they set boundaries and they're like, you can't go there alone. You have a driver to go there. And that's all you can do. Mm. And then, so that was in Lagos, which was very much free for me. But when I was in Port Harcourt, we had basically a tiny, uh, a small guest house with a fence gate, a guard. And the only trip I could do was from the yard to this gate, guest house. And it was wow. a scary experience every time because I was fearing about the way we were being perceived by the locals because I don't mm -hmm. know what was going on in their mind, but they would put us with a, what they call mopals, which are like mobile police or like it's just people with guns. And, <laughs> and <laughs> so those are, that, that's just like, yeah. And <laughs> the scary part is most of them don't really, I won't say they don't know how to use it, but I spoke to a lot of people who did yeah, all the like conflict qualified. zones. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, the problem is that they're not as qualified as if you go in Central South America where the guys are really trained. They're like, here it's more or less like someone gave you a gun and you ended up in that role. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so we would be in the car with two of those guys inside the car 
and then they would literally blast their horn and try to create a lane between two other cars and they would hit other cars that wouldn't move away so you're white you're in the middle of africa and you have like crazy people screaming with guns at other normal people that are just trying to get to work it's like and and you're just like trying to to sink central africa (laughs) i know and you're like oh what am i doing here oh it feels so awkward (laughs) yeah yeah wow that's crazy so that was fun, but uh, good life experience. It's kind of intense. Say. It's like a very different kind of travel. You probably did not run into any tourists while you were there. <laughs> no, 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 no. Especially Port, see, Port Harcourt, I no. I didn't meet any tourists pretty much anywhere in Western Central Africa really? the entire time I was there. Yeah. yeah no one. Did, I didn't really see any you. other... Anyone... Uh, like foreign other than people who worked for the UN or the World Food Bank. Uh, <laughs> That's like. exactly the question everyone <laughs> would ask me. Oh, what organization do you work for? And then I'm like, oil and gas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Sorry. laughs> you see me as the devil right now, but <laughs> I'm not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, everyone was asking that question. Oh, cool. Are you for that organization? Or it was either oil and gas or you're trying to save the people there. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. When I was there, I created zero. I have like 10 photos that are worth anything. And uh, I really wish I could go back to Nigeria, for example. It's a great place where I want to go back and document a lot of kind of what I lived or how I lived it. Very interesting. What's your creative process lately if you're trying to plan a new trip? Do you do you like match up with other people and be like, hey guys, let's say you want to go to a place you've been to and, and you want to tell a story. How would you approach it? Yeah, what I have been doing lately is trying to, whenever I, like I recently had the opportunity to go to Brazil, uh, mm. working for a tourism board in Northern Brazil and it was such an awesome project. They told us, you know, told me you can come here whenever you want and we'll bring you to, to do whatever like experiences mm-hmm. you want to have in this region. Uh, and you can bring some people if you want as well. So uh, I start by doing research on the particular region of the country that I want to go to. And I look for... Like what interests me the most, which is uh, cultural experiences. Like what is it about the people who live in this place that makes mm-hmm. them unique from anywhere else? Uh, and I, when I was doing my research, I saw that this area in northern Brazil has a really unique uh, carnival celebration. So we went for carnival in February, and then we also traveled to another state to uh, see where uh, acai comes from and how they harvest it uh, traditionally in Brazil. And they actually eat acai in a really different way than we do in like the Western culture. Uh, They actually eat acai with fish rather than like straight like fish from the Amazon. Uh, the Amazon River rather than like in a bowl with some like fruits and, <laughs> and berries and everything. 
So do they uh, cook it or do they raw with the fish? They uh, so they have this really interesting. They showed us the whole process of how they take the acai uh, out of the the palm trees. We captured mm -hmm. them like climbing these huge palm, like these really tall palm trees, and cutting it down. Uh, grinding it up and creating uh, the puree, which is like the most pure form of acai, tastes completely mm. different than it does in other countries. And uh, then they had like a really specific way of eating it with, uh, they mm -hmm. have this cooked, this grilled fish. They put lime on it and then they mix together like one bite of fish and one bite of acai and then mix it together mm. in their mouths. So I had been like doing some research on that and I, <laughs> I uh, found a couple of old videos on it. I was like, oh, I want to go here and capture uh, what that experience looks like, especially in contrast to, to what other people think it's like in, uh, like in the U.S., Uh, so finding finding cool uh, you know stories like that and uh, experiences has been my favorite thing to capture with video. How how was the uh, you have to tell us was it good? How, how was the taste for you? <laughs> it was so different. I I love acai bowls. I eat them constantly. It's one of my favorite foods. So it was interesting trying to like get rid of that like expectation <laughs> of how it's supposed to bowl. taste <laughs> um and because it was so sour uh mm -hmm. the acai like it's it's usually eaten like really sweet um and as kind of like a dessert almost in the in like in the u.s and here it was like a part of your like main uh, like savory meal mm. so it was like really sour and I'm not particularly like a fish <laughs> loving for like I don't really love eating cooked fish um so it was just like it was it was pretty intense flavors to mix like really sour puree and this uh like river fish <laughs> very different <laughs> but that's like the main uh staple meal in that area of brazil they eat this huge bowl of acai which actually it's like really f they were saying that it's like really full of energy but it makes you sleepy so you have to take really? like Yeah, like 10 minutes later, we cut, we have like this big, beautiful meal and then cuts to 10 minutes later and like all of us are just passed out in these hammocks, just so tired from eating this acai and then you wake really? up and you're like, it's like you had a cup of coffee. It's very weird. <laughs> it's not the same oh, uh, as like it the, is. the process needs the nap. <laughs> yeah, it actually does. He like was describing that you need to take a nap after this. We're like, oh no, we won't need to do that. <laughs> It's a pre-nap meal. Meal. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, so did you? So you you capture that uh, uh, through your experience? Yeah. 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 I created a whole YouTube series uh, from from our trip to Brazil. So nice. Do you have a way? Um, I get a lot of questions like, how do you interact with people when you travel for video or for photos? Like, do you ask them for photos? How how do you? What's your philosophy around that? Mm-hmm. I, I kind of take it on a case-by-case case basis. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of, like, really, like, uh, for example, 
there were some women in Brazil who dress in really colorful, big dresses mm-hmm. uh, for carnival, and those women, like you, you, they expect you to to pay them if you're going to take photos of them or with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I usually avoid that kind of thing unless it's like a just a really beautiful person i don't mind giving them uh, a few dollars but i would rather it be kind of a more organic uh um, yeah. like person to to capture um and you can kind of usually feel like some like feel out someone's uh energy or openness if they don't care about the camera at all if you can yeah. kind of tell if they really don't like it um usually i'll i'll just have it recording and i'll like kind of show it like like show my camera to them and like oh you're like do you mind (laughs) (laughs) um and if they don't care then like sometimes like in uh in pakistan actually was like the most fun people to film i've ever i've ever had like the um they don't see a lot of tourists in pakistan Mm -hmm. so they haven't become jaded towards Mm. like photographers in the same way that people in maybe like japan or italy have been like they're just so inundated with people snapping photos constantly like all of the locals hate it but in places like pakistan they never see it and so they're like so excited to come and take photos (laughs) with you and like have their photos taken and usually they like people don't I don't really tell people that I'm taking a video or I'm taking a, a, a photo. So I'll just take some like sneaky, sneaky video portraits in um, like 60 frames so I can slow it down and like these beautiful portraits of, uh, of people yeah. smiling. That's like my f- favorite thing to capture. <laughs> I, I read recently that smiles are contagious so, and laughs. So there was a very interesting study. <laughs> yes, they studied that. I believe it. I believe it. That's amazing. <laughs> that if you put a room with like, and like, I can't remember, like 10 person starts laughing, like at least like triple the amount of people are going to start laughing to and they don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. I, be- I definitely believe that. Life hack, invite three friends and just start cracking up anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. That's so cool. The, the the aspect around taking portraits of people and, and then using them is, I, I find it fascinating, especially when we travel, um, because as much as we like landscapes, I do feel like, like you said, like the story also lies within the people and the interaction you have with them. And uh, I like what you said about Pakistan. I had a little bit that feeling in Northern India where if you get a camera out, suddenly it's not one person that wants to be on camera, it's 10. Yeah, and everyone's exactly. Like, they all come me, like me. running <laughs> into it, <laughs> which makes for such good, it makes for such good content because it's the part of the world that you wish more people knew about was that how like friendly people are. And like all of my friends and everyone that I showed, uh, even myself, like content from pa- like that I captured in Pakistan, it was like so surprising to see so many like really enthusiastic people. That's true. How, how did you, I, I gotta ask, do you have like preconceived, I mean, we all do, it's a dumb question, but <laughs> before you get to a, to a country, do you have any particular rituals you're gonna do uh, especially if you know you're going to be capturing things to in order not to get influenced too much by what is said about country. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I do the like the necessary amount of research uh, on the places, the specific areas of each country that I'm going to make sure that I am respecting their culture and like dressing mm-hmm. correctly and um, like avoiding anything um, that would concern my safety. Uh, I don't like to just go to somewhere and not know uh like what the political situation is like or anything like that i like to make sure that i've educated myself to a certain standard but then after that i'll ignore what i hear in the media because usually it's like really fear-based and um it's coming from people who may have never even been to that place uh so i like to keep as open of a mind as possible once i've gotten that like base uh, amount of information uh, for for like my safety and my whereabouts mm-hmm. uh, and then just keeping an open mind and if you kind of carry yourself with like a positive energy and you're there to just experience it and to learn I f- yeah. f- have felt that that kind of attracts uh, those kind of travel experiences that all of us want when you want to connect with the culture and learn uh, from the people and see like the most beautiful parts of their country. Uh, it definitely helps to have like a positive, uh, positive mindset going into it. Yeah, I can't help thinking that your experience in Yemen, any, any like journalist could have like taken videos of that uh, what was happening at night never ask what happened and then just like make any kind of statement about like this is such a dangerous country there was like 50 armed men that tried to get into a hotel or whatever yeah. um it's so so i think you're you're sharing a very very good reminder because i know a lot of people try to want to travel and a lot of people are afraid of certain countries and i'm not saying there's no reason to be but in a lot of cases, you will end up with people as nice as your neighbors. Uh, in yeah, most exactly. Cases. And I think that it's just so important to to kind of peel back that like face value layer of mm-hmm. what like a situation seems to be, and like just have like that extra bit of curiosity uh, towards like what does this actually mean to someone who has a completely different perspective on the world that I do. Like they come from different religions, different uh, political backgrounds. Like there's just so much that you can't possibly understand about people who live in other countries. Uh, So just taking it from the perspective of being there to to learn has has definitely uh, influenced how much of like what like the type of experiences that I've had. That's so cool. Plus, if we add your two uh, life lessons, which are don't get intoxicated uh, while you're traveling. Yeah. <laughs> is, I think you're, you're pretty much good. I, I, it just made me think, even in, if you're going to anywhere, like if you're going to France, if you're going to the UK or, or anywhere in the world, if you start drinking and you end up late at night, I mean, whether or not it's my country, that's usually when trouble happens. Yeah. I don't have to be on the yeah, other side exactly. of the world. I could be like down on the bar here. People are going to fight after drinking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I don't know like, why I've I didn't think about so it. I've heard so many like horrible travel, like nightmare stories yeah. that started with like, oh, I shouldn't have taken those mushrooms on the beach in Thailand. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> there's so many stories that start like that. And it's like, obviously, if you don't speak the language, you don't know your way around, you don't have other people looking out for you that are sober, like, yeah, chances are something not great. Like, what is the best case scenario? there like you have like a really good night partying but it's just not like the risk isn't worth the reward when it comes to stuff like that that's very very good point i think i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna share that your lesson as much as possible um, whenever i talk to people because i I don't think to be honest until you mention it i don't think about it that much Mm -hmm. Uh, especially i mean if you're a photographer and you have gear that you're even more at I would say you have more eyes on you than you would normally. So you got to yeah, be extra definitely. careful. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm actually in the, uh, in the process of developing a travel course where nice. I'm going to teach like all of these like, you know, like micro and macro lessons that I've, I've learned uh, along the way from traveling to every country. Because I basically made like I've made both of those mistakes and they have ended up like really being unfortunate experiences for me so uh i want to try to share as much of uh the things that i learned from Mm -hmm. these experiences so that i can help other people have uh those similar uh amazing moments while traveling that's a good idea i think everyone needs those advice i mean those are questions that literally comes all the time so mm-hmm, uh, definitely. that's awesome i'm just trying to compile all of the answers to my questions uh in don't believe me i travel to 196 countries i'm waiting for a new <laughs> one to open <laughs> yes what so i have a i have an interesting question here because especially because you did you did that traveling so young, I would say. I mean, so young. Um, for for most of us, it sounds pretty young. Uh, maybe not to you. Uh, you're like, damn it, 21 years. It took me a long time. <laughs> uh, but to us, it's like, wow. Um, what advice would you kind of give to someone who's about to end up or finish high school? Mm-hmm. Um, one of my more unpopular opinions <laughs> is that to to not rush into going to university if you aren't sure exactly what you want to study. Um, mm-hmm. I told myself like when I was 12 years old that I wanted to take a gap year uh, just to to try to travel and see what it was like in the real world of not being a student. And that's what led me on the path that I eventually found. Um, I just think that you, like, you spend the first 17, 18 years of your life uh, in mm-hmm. an ap- academic setting. And then there's this kind of expectation that you need to go directly into uh, making really big financial decisions for your your career that you're going to have for the rest of your life. And if you think about it, you shouldn't trust an 18-year-old with any kind (laughs) of, like, they're not, like, old enough to make any kind of decision like that for themselves. And um, I just know so many people who have ended up with, like, going to school really young and ended up spending... Tens, if you live in California, tens and tens of thousands of dollars to get a degree that they end up not using when they could have just waited 
uh, like a year <laughs> and saw a couple of different uh, perspectives and given themselves some time to to make sure that that's what they want to do. So my biggest piece of advice is to not to not rush into anything too quickly. Try to see as much of the world as possible, different perspectives, because you never know what you're gonna what you're gonna pick up and be extremely passionate about if you've never left your like your high school so <laughs> take your time <laughs> that's a good one take your time it's uh not everyone i feel like nowadays with social media and that's something we were talking about with chelsea um i feel like you have a lot more accessibility to examples of taking your time or just like looking at for options for a little bit versus when I don't like saying what I was younger. It's also the way I was br brought up and the way I was looking at the world. I never really saw um, that as an option. It's it's funny. It's like literally what you're exposed to, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I never saw it as an as an option or as a possibility. And and your advice, coupled with what is available and the information, what you can see on YouTube or anywhere nowadays, is like kind of like why would you not do it? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. There's so many like very unique um, lifestyles that are like developing with how people are working online and working remotely and all of these different different things. And that's not to say that, you know, going to college for however many years and becoming a doctor or a lawyer isn't like a great idea for some people. But I just think that you want to make sure that you're not going to get to your last year of uh, law school and then realize that you're not interested in it at all but sometimes it takes to takes takes getting to that point but yeah i guess whatever path is uh is happening is the path you're supposed to be on but uh if you, if you can change if you can change it before or like think about it <laughs> that could help yeah think about you could have been spending all that money on travel <laughs> that's like always my uh <laughs> my perspective on it <laughs> 100k for a year. What? What did you get out of it? <laughs> yeah. You oh, could have traveled to parties. every country twice. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Wait, uh, do you know how much it costs you, like, overall? Um, well, since I started traveling when I was with my family, I don't know exactly yeah. how much yeah. it it costs. And I also am really savvy with, like, points and miles uh, mm. on, on flights and everything like that. So okay. I completely self-funded the whole the whole project myself. Um, okay. But cool. I, I don't have a specific number in mind for it. Yeah, that makes... I mean, if you... Especially if you've been doing it over a year, so it's, it's like, hard to track. Do you have a... Um, Have you been like buying a lot of flights right now? I'm just asking because <laughs> there's a flexible no. policy for every flight now. Yeah, no, I haven't haven't been taking too much of a look at that. <laughs> But I have some some really uh, avid flight hacker friends that are like, ah, it's $400 first class from like Bangkok to Switzerland. You're <laughs> like looking at all these crazy flights, so. Yeah, I I'll probably that. end up getting a couple. <laughs> yeah, you're like, okay, I'll just plan. And since we can cancel, probably it's fine. It's cool. Um, I, I'm just going to touch on, on two last points. One is um, I think you travel, correct me if I'm wrong, with Chelsea and Emmett and I think Josh uh, and a few Josiah, other creators. Yeah. 
Josiah, to uh, Borneo. D do you have anything that you learn out of working with us the, in that environment that you'd like to share? That's a really good question. Um, I That was one of my first times ever working uh, on a collaboration with, with a lot of different uh, really experienced creatives. <laughs> um, I think that uh, I just learned a lot from especially Emmett about how he he plans like each and every uh, shot because like um, mm. when you're working with more uh, like YouTube based creators, it's kind of very in the moment. You never know what's going to happen. You can't plan ahead yep. that much. Uh, and um, they were he was so good at storyboarding the entire uh, the entire thing. The video that came out of that trip was one of like the most amazing videos that I've ever had the the privilege of being a part of. And um, yeah, just seeing that how much uh, like that interpersonal relationship that uh, like the three of them had already had over all of the different projects that they've worked on before, um, that that really uh, affects the quality of the content mm. that that was created. So I definitely learned a lot on that <laughs> on that trip, uh, and had to wake up for some pretty early mornings every single day. <laughs> it's also crazy that it can take uh, 10 days. Like we, we shot for 10 days or something like that to make yep. a three minute video. It's pretty crazy. Wow. <laughs> what, what was, uh, can you just like for anyone who hasn't seen or doesn't know what it's about, can you just give us like a 30 second brief on, on what you were shooting? Yeah, so we were shooting a video that was sponsored by Corona, who wanted to promote uh, their, like how sustainable their company is. And we decided, Emmett decided to, to uh, make the story about uh, all of our relationships with free diving. So we all experience mm. very different uh, feelings and emotions that come up while we're diving. Uh, for me, it's always been something about getting out of my comfort zone and overcoming uh, like fear of the ocean. Uh, for Chelsea, it's um, it seems to be like a meditative uh, state for her. Uh, Emmett, <laughs> he um, got these incredible shots of uh, feeling like he's in outer space and on a, the closest he'll ever be to being on another planet. Uh, and for Josiah, it was also um, just kind of like stepping out of the noise of your mm -hmm. your everyday life. So all of our different perspectives while doing uh, the same thing was uh, the base the base of the video. That's that's so cool. I saw the the result. It looked awesome, and I remember seeing kind of the stories as it was developing. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, you get and there shooting? was this uh, this one dive where we. We went out on, I think it was like the last day or something. We were thinking about not even going out to dive with the uh, the whale sharks one more time just to try to get a few more shots. And uh, we stumbled upon this huge 
bait ball that had like five just in the wild and then like they weren't being fed or anything this huge bait ball uh school of what, fish what's, wait what's a bait ball a bait ball is uh like hundreds of fish that that swim together like a really compact oh. school of fish and uh there were like five whale sharks circling around it feeding wow. off of it in the middle of the ocean and we just dropped into the middle of this and uh Chelsea is like an unbelievably skilled free diver and she said it was the most beautiful dive that she had ever been on. So it was a uh, it was yeah, that, amazing to have been a, there. So that's that. what a bait ball is. I get it. Because I mm -hmm. think I remember and I was like what's a bait ball? Did they throw a ball that's a bait or <laughs> I didn't at first it's I didn't all of get these it. like really small fish that just okay. are like swirling around each other and these huge mouths of the whale sharks are trying to catch as many as they can. So what, was it scary? Crazy. Kind of. It was a little bit scary. I, big, I was no? the, the thing is that I was like the only person that was kind of a, and the water was getting a little bit rough and like all, the three of them are just fish. It's almost like they don't even, they don't even sense fear when they're like in the water anymore. So I'm like kind of like really excited, but also having like a little bit of an anxiety attack. And they're just like underwater for three minutes and I can barely hold my breath for very long. So that was a learning experience too. Wow. <laughs> they had to, uh, they had to put up with me for that trip. <laughs> did you, did you, um, what was your like free diving level or, or do you practice a lot or? I hadn't practiced for a while. I grew up more doing scuba diving and then mm. transitioned towards uh, free diving um, a little bit over the past couple of years, but I don't do it as consistently as, uh, as they do. So yeah. I was very much out of practice in comparison. <laughs> That's so cool. It's, uh, it looked like a beautiful like, experience for sure. Um, mm, it's an amazing and, and moment to, to share with them. Yeah, and, and what came out of it is is pretty incredible. I mean, the photos and all that. I was like, "Wow, mm -hmm. cool!" The the video, you guys should definitely check it out. It's uh, it was it's a beautiful one. Yeah, I love what you're saying about uh, YouTube being like more in the moment versus uh, those guys or like Emmett at least like real planning out storyboarding. Did you mm -hmm. just incredibly curated content so that every single shot that's in it is is absolutely perfect and and gorgeous mm. as completely different styles of content. Do, are you going to integrate that into your work? Or will you um, well, it takes a, a really high level of skill. Both Josiah and Chelsea and Emmett all have like they've been like doing videography and everything mm -hmm. for for years so <laughs> i would hope to uh integrate that that uh that quality of work into into my content as well but i think i have a bit more to learn <laughs> until i'm uh, quite on their level that's awesome i feel like storyboarding is I, I share the feeling with YouTube because i do a lot of youtube and it's i find it very difficult to actually um, do YouTube and, and still storyboard and be able to produce enough, like not enough. I mean, it's up to you to set the bar, but like a lot of content, let's put it that way. If I were to do three months, just one video, I, yeah, I can storyboard, but, um, I find it mm -hmm. very difficult for like 
twice a week or once a week videos on YouTube. Uh. <laughs> it is it's so so much to keep up with and uh also the the audience uh is actually very different on mm -hmm. youtube versus instagram i think that youtube uh people when they sit down to watch youtube videos have a very different um like interest in in mind at least in my experience they they want to see more of that that raw uncut mm. in the moment uh like stuff because it's almost like they can sit down for 10 minutes and they're there with you and it's yeah. not as heavily curated but on instagram like people are just endlessly scrolling as fast as you can it has to be uh really stimulating and just unbelievably gorgeous to get people to stop mm. for a moment when they're in that like endless scrolling uh you know zombie <laughs> phase um to actually pay attention to something for an extended period of time so it has to be like a different uh caliber of work that's yeah that's i i see what you're i see exactly what you're talking about like using two different parts of your brain yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why if you look at um youtube is a lot more like behind the scenes you want to be like oh i want to I want to travel with you for a day or yeah, I want exactly. to be in your shoes. I want to see how you do things. Um, if you if you have a few more minutes, if you don't mind, can, can I ask you, how was the, just let me know if, if you're running out of time, but um, I thought your transition from being like a traveler without the social media to traveling with the social media is very interesting, especially how it integrates into your work. How do you find that balance nowadays? Do you, Do you have any preferred platform and is there anything that you kind of uh, think about now that or, or the contrary that you wish you thought about before that you didn't that you haven't done or how, how do you integrate that word of social media into your life nowadays? Yeah, well, social media is like my it's my full time job now, which is mm -hmm. amazing. Um, and I It took uh, maybe two years to get the hang of Instagram mm -hmm. and see what people like, what people don't like, what's captivating or interesting for people to see. Uh, and my, I've recently fallen in love with YouTube. I, I'm so happy that I found it because I always felt that I had so much to say that it wouldn't really fit on Instagram like I knew that hmm. like this photo or this memory is really important to me but it's probably not going to perform very well on Instagram and it's like all of those stories that kind of fall under that category are going to mm -hmm. get like the love that I want to like give them on YouTube so I just love how like those two platforms connect um connect together And I think, I mean, just transitioning into, like, as, as you would in any other kind of, of job, really, it just takes time and putting out, like, a large volume of, of work and just seeing yeah. what sticks and what, the, what you don't like and being, like, brave enough to embarrass yourself from time to time and make things you don't like and figure out what you do it just takes time and like the the act of just starting to do it and not just yeah. like imagining it in your head so 
just <laughs> starting the actions. <laughs> I was exactly thinking about that, I think this morning or yesterday. I was uh, feeding our baby and I was in my head, I was working. Like literally, I, I worked the whole time in my head. And then when I finished, I was like, I haven't done anything, right? I mean, I, I, I spent that time with my with my kid and she's fed now. That's awesome. But I'm like, I it still have to go and do there. the thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm like, I still have to go and do the things that I was imagining and I did. So now it's um, like you did it twice. <laughs> I know. It's, <laughs> it's like, no, um, that, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that, that point of view and that experience because... Um, I love how you how, how you, you kind of fell into it after the that that beautiful experience you had, and how you're like using it and and changing nowadays. Uh, last word: Have you dabbled with TikTok a little bit? Have you played with it? <laughs> um, I am starting to dip a toe into it just by watching them and seeing how the platform works i'm like since just taking on youtube and it's like this huge endeavor tiktok's not really comparable with like this yeah. sheer amount of work uh yeah. that goes into it but it was just so unenthusiastic about getting on another like hamster yeah. wheel of content that's never going to be it's like another insatiable algorithm to please <laughs> um but i think it's really interesting and i like the short form content i've never made it before so i'm not very comfortable creating mm -hmm. it myself yet but uh someone actually took my i have like the same handle lexi limitless on yeah. like instagram youtube and my website and so i went to go get it on tiktok and somebody actually reserved it <laughs> like and put like reserved message me on it and i think they're just gonna ask for for money or uh, something so i've just kind of like been like putting it off for now until i either maybe out what they maybe want there is a or... good soul there that was actually <laughs> that took it because they didn't want someone to charge you for it yeah i mean i could be optimistic so <laughs> We'll <laughs> no, see. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, just let, let us know if you want. We'll just go spam the account. Everyone will go spam the account until he drops yeah. it. <laughs> Either that or I just need to think of like a creative new handle for it. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. That's true. That's awesome. Um, Lexis, thank you so much for, for spending that time and sharing your, your knowledge and, and your cool stories with us. Uh, I think it will definitely inspire more than one person, especially now that everyone's reconsidering their whole life, <laughs> stuck at home, wondering what they've been living for. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. This is a really, really fun and refreshing conversation to have. So I appreciate it. Where should people go check out your content? You, you just mentioned Lexi Limitless. Is there any particular piece of content you'd like them to see first? Yeah, so uh, I have been working uh, really hard on YouTube. That's been my, my passion project. Lately, you can find my YouTube channel under Lexi Limitless. Uh, Lexi is spelled L-E-X-I-E, uh, and it's the same handle, Lexi Limitless, uh, uh, on Instagram, which is my main platform, and then also I have a blog. So you can check me out on all of the, uh, all of the places. <laughs> Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'll just drop everything in the show notes for you guys. Thanks, Lexi. Thank you. Well, guys, I hope this has been super valuable for you. 
if you could take two seconds and leave a rating to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify, that would mean the word to me. It really helps get the word out. Maybe you want to share it. If you got any value out of it, please, please do so. I already thank you in advance. Now, with that being said, let's thank Lexi also for taking the time. Now, have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening. Before you go, would you like to receive once a week a free short email with my top five inspirations, photos with settings, gear I've loved, and what I've been watching, reading, or listening to that really inspired my work and my life lately? If you want it, just go to prtlambert.com forward slash top five and you will be in. Every week you will receive that short email to set you off on the good vibe for the weekend and inspire you. Now with that being said, have an amazing day. I'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye.